This is the Get a Game Plan podcast hosted by the Louisiana Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, ARGOSEP. I'm Mike Steele, the Communications Director for ARGOSEP. Thank you for joining us. We are marking a special occasion with the November show. This marks our second anniversary for the podcast, which was one of the first focused on emergency management. Thank you for helping us grow this resource. We are now up to a few thousand downloads from nearly every state and territory, plus about 25 different countries. Please encourage others to check out our efforts. We have a special guest joining us for this episode, Pat Santos, the governor's recovery liaison under Governor John Bell Edwards. We'll take a look back at some of the events in Louisiana during the past couple of years and find out where he sees the state moving forward with emergency management and recovery. Plus, winter weather is already impacting many parts of the country. An expert from the National Weather Service will explain why we must stay prepared for severe weather even after we pass the end of hurricane season. Plus, they'll have an early winter weather forecast. Before we get started with our interviews, we'd like to start each episode with an emergency preparedness tip. We don't typically see a lot of winter weather driving conditions in Louisiana, but it does happen from time to time, and many of you may be traveling to other parts of the country during the next few months. Here are a few winter weather driving tips from OSHA. Maintain your car, check your battery, tire tread, and windshield wipers. Keep your windows clear, put no freeze fluid in the washer reservoir, and check your antifreeze. Keep certain items like a flashlight and jumper cables handy. For long trips, carry food, water, medication, and your cell phone. Plan your route, allow plenty of time, check the weather, and leave early if necessary. Let others know the route you'll be taking and arrival time. Know what your brakes will do. Stomp on anti-lock brakes. Pump on non-anti-lock brakes. Stopping distances may be longer on icy or wet roads. And remember, don't tailgate. Those are today's preparedness tips. Moving on to our first interview, Colonel Pat Santos joined the Louisiana Army National Guard in June 1979. In December 1981, he was commissioned a distinguished military graduate from the ROTC program at the University of New Orleans. His distinguished military career played a key role in coordinating the unprecedented support efforts during both Hurricanes Katrina and Rita. In January 2006, he accepted a position at the Louisiana Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, or LOSEP, as the Chief of Homeland Security. He later served as the Deputy Director of Emergency Management within the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, or GOSEP, where he had primary oversight of all the state's emergency management functions. That covered events like Hurricanes Gustav and Ike in 2008, the Deepwater Horizon oil spill in 2010, and Hurricane Isaac in 2012. Former Governor Jindal appointed him as interim director of GOSEP from July through December 2011, and he previously served on the FEMA National Advisory Council from 2013 to 2015 as the vice chair of the Insurance and Mitigation Subcommittee. After leaving GOSEP, he served as the director of business development for the Stevenson Disaster Management Institute, SDMI, at Louisiana State University. 
We are honored to have Pat Santos join us by phone. Sir, thanks for taking time out for us today. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, as we said, we've kind of uh, are taking a look back at the first couple of years since we've started recording the podcast. Can you describe the progress you've seen in the state dealing with some of the past emergency events that unfortunately seem to take place here in Louisiana on kind of a regular basis? <laughs> well, uh, we do seem to get uh, more than our fair share of disasters here in Louisiana. But what we've learned is how important it is, Mike, to be prepared and to be able to respond in a timely, coordinated manner at the local, state, and federal level. And the importance of individual preparedness, which we have spent a great deal of effort on in education and awareness of our citizens. In fact, that's where we got that Get a Game Plan initiative. That's where that began. And we're always, always trying to make sure that we guard against complacency. And it seems like uh, a lot of the things, even since I've come on board, uh, when you really develop those relationships with each level of government, it almost seems kind of like a a muscle memory type thing with sports or something where everybody kind of knows their role and kind of knows what actions to start taking. Is that what you see? Absolutely. Um, You know, if we look back, after Katrina, there were so many lessons to be learned. And we immediately focused on fully implementing the national incident management system in Louisiana and really across the country. Now, this national incident management system, or NIMS as it's called, that provides a consistent nationwide framework and approach to enable governments at all levels, you know, federal, state, tribal, local, the private sector, the non-governmental organizations, to work together to prepare for, prevent, respond, recover, and mitigate the effects of incidents, regardless of the incident's cause, uh, location, complexity. You know, as you previously mentioned in Louisiana, we've had many opportunities over the years to execute our plans. Because of these frequent experiences, it required all of the key stakeholders to understand their roles and responsibilities at every level of government. After each event, you know, you've been there, mm-hmm. like me, we've, we've had our fair share. We would conduct our uh, after-action reviews, make the appropriate improvements for the next event. So, you know, after a while, you get pretty good at emergency management. And that's one of the things that's hard to, for us to explain to the public sometimes. Even when we have a, an emergency and you think for the most part things went well, like maybe, uh, you know, there wasn't a big impact or, or, you know, that type of thing, we still go back and look at a lot of those actions because there's always something you can learn from. Every time, every time. You know, no response is perfect, but we learn and we, we get better every time. So much so that, you know, we shared our experiences and lessons learned with many other states and even countries. Uh, we've been requested to assist other states in both uh, the response and recovery phases, and we've gladly helped, uh, you know, whenever we we were called, uh, realizing that uh, when it was our time of need, many folks came to help us. And that kind of leads into another uh, area I wanted to discuss. Now, many of the people that listen to this podcast work in emergency management are as first responders. Some are either even in other states and other countries. Uh, As we take a look at the lessons learned here in Louisiana, are there things that kind of across the board would fit dealing with any type of emergency in in any region? Well, I think one of the good things about having 
the national incident management system uh, ingrained across the board, uh, the incident command system. So we have consistency uh, throughout uh, you know, our country. Uh, if, if we were called to go and assist another state, we would plug in, and for the most part, they would be conducting operations just like we do here in Louisiana. I mean, there may be some nuances, but for the most part, everybody uses the same system. And that's the beauty of having pretty much one system that everyone uses uh, across the country. And again, we've, we've uh, you know, been visited by other countries, and they've learned from us. And, and even, you know, we've We've gotten reports back that uh, these other places have experienced uh, disasters, and they thanked us for sharing our information with them because, uh, in their words, you know, it helps save lives in their country, a lot of the things that we learned here. So uh, I think that consistency uh, across the board, I think, is the main thing that benefits all of us. Yeah, what about with some of the training and, and different aspects that you've looked at over the years? Do you think there's lessons there for businesses or maybe even homeowners or private citizens to learn from as well? Oh, yes. As far as businesses go, having a business continuity plan, and we've pushed this and pushed this. You know, I think there's statistics out there that show that businesses that are, that, uh, are impacted by a disaster, if they don't have a business continuity plan, chances are that uh, they, they end up failing uh, soon after. It's so important. But yet, businesses are trying to survive. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to meet the payroll. They're, they're trying to meet their production. And so in many cases, they don't take the time to do this. But those who do, those who do end up uh, surviving and, and coming out on top. And the same thing can be said for, for individuals. Uh, again, we talked about get a game plan. And we hop on it every time, every season, uh, to to encourage individuals and families to have an emergency plan, uh, not just for hurricanes, but for any type of disaster. What are you going to do? What do you need to have in your home that will uh, help you withstand a disaster? And educate the kids, educate your your young ones. We found that uh, those families that that do have that, those individuals that have those type of plans come out much better in surviving a disaster. That's great advice. And then kind of switching gears a little bit, we still have, uh, you know, several ongoing recovery issues in Louisiana related to some of our past events. And and that's kind of your other area of expertise. Uh, as you take a look at some of the unique programs we've started, maybe Restore Louisiana, Louisiana Watershed Initiative, Tell us what you hope uh, we'll accomplish with these type programs. Well, first, let's take the Restore program. Uh, if you remember back uh, March and August of 2016, Louisiana experienced two historic rain events that impacted uh, uh, 56 parishes and thousands of rental and owner-occupied homes across the state. Um, and so the Restore program, we were able to acquire a substantial grant from HUD, Housing and Urban Development, federal level, and we put together a a plan in which we could help um, as many homeowners as we can who qualified. Uh, A lot of it's focused on low to moderate income folks, but uh, so far we have been able to help uh, thousands of Louisiana citizens 
either get their home repaired or in some cases completely rebuilt. And we're still in, uh, you know, involved in that program, although it's unfortunate that we were delayed in some cases by some of the rules and regulations, federal regulations that HUD put down. Uh, the governor fought hard along with uh, some members of the congressional delegation to uh, get a major change of rules involving the uh, SBA, Small Business Administration loans that a lot of folks uh, either applied for, if they applied, some of them took some money, some took the whole amount that they qualified for. We were able to get that um, changed so that it wouldn't count against them as a duplication of benefit. So that was a recent development. It took a long time, unfortunately, longer than what we'd like, but we're able to get that done. And so we're, we're able to help a lot more people. But, um, you know, that restore program, if you look at it, I know it's ne it never goes as fast as everybody wants it to go. But compared to other programs similar in other states, this program has gone head and shoulders in, in speed and in efficiency above any other mm -hmm. that has ever been done. Watershed. That, that's another initiative, Mike, if you want to talk about that. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we're just trying to bring people up to speed. That's it seems like with the watershed initiative, that was a pretty unique approach to take a look at some of our long term uh, projects. Is that correct? That's that's right. You know, again, going back to the uh, March and August uh, 2016 floods, uh, those events exposed key deficiencies in Louisiana's approach to floodplain management and community planning across all levels of government. So in uh, 2018, Governor Edwards took the initiative and formed the Council on Watershed Management to guide the state towards a new strategy in representing a proactive leadership approach on this critical issue. So the state is committed to solving this watershed management collaboratively with cities, parishes, federal agencies, you know, research folks, nonprofit organizations, universities, and private sector partners. This has never been done before here in Louisiana. Grant money would come in, and then it would be doiled out to, you know, uh, cities and parishes. They would do projects, irregardless of what impact that project may have on your neighbor. Mm -hmm. So the, the reality is, is that, you know, proper Flood risk management requires a coordinated, coherent, and long-term vision for sustainability and resiliency. The bottom line is, Mike, water flows downhill and does not recognize political or arbitrary boundaries. That's right. So, you know, this, this must be managed uh, and the associated risk mitigated in a manner which emphasizes that the status quo, the way we used to do business, is no longer an option. Well, and it'll be so great. You know, uh, like you said, with some of this mitigation money in the past, you may benefit one or two communities or parishes, but to benefit a whole region, you know, would even be a, a more efficient approach. So hopefully we can see those things come to pass. It's good to see us moving in that direction. Absolutely. And then one final thing we kind of want to talk about, cybersecurity. It's become a big issue over the past couple of years. We still have kind of some smaller ongoing events across the state right now. Uh, but we had a bigger event back at the beginning of the school year that, that the state was able to step in 
and help some of our communities get through. Why is there such an emphasis now from a Homeland Security side on cybersecurity, and where do you see that going in the future? Well, you know, cybersecurity is a priority for Governor Edwards because he understood early on the vital role that the state has in protecting our citizens and businesses from cyber threats. So, I mean, think about it. All aspects of our economy is relying on technology, which exposes our computer networks and information systems to the risk of cyber attacks. So in uh, December of uh, 2017, uh, Governor Edwards issued an executive order establishing a cybersecurity commission to address the growing cyber threat concerns to networks, personal you know, privacy and critical infrastructure in, uh, in Louisiana. And Mike, you mentioned the uh, recent attacks on several of our school districts. So you're right, Louisiana was in fact hit with a cyber attack against uh, our power school systems at the K through 12 levels uh, back in, uh, in, in during the summer, right before school. Uh, and it, you know, it was not only, you know, public, uh, but private and charter schools as well. We believe if we had not worked on the cybersecurity emergency support function plan with trained cadre, you know, subject matter experts uh, in this high-tech field over the last year, year and a half, we would not have been able to respond as rapidly and as successfully as we did. Uh, what ended up happening was, I think we had five power school board systems experience a total loss of their networks and enterprises. But we were not, uh, but we were able to not only, you know, recover those adversely affected, but we also prevented seven other parish school mm -hmm. board systems from being totally wiped out. And now uh, we've, we've been contacted by other states, you know, they're turning to Louisiana to ask our, for our lessons learned and how we were, were able to respond to these attacks. So, you know, we realize that we must continue to work, you know, all together and improve our, our cyber resiliency in Louisiana because we know this is just the beginning. It's not going to go away. Yeah, and one important note, we've been putting out some information over the past couple of weeks, kind of taking a recap look at that event. Uh, other states were hit with similar things, you know, in, in recent months or years and, and were forced to pay some of these ransoms that were part of the ransomware attack. We managed to cut all that off and, and kind of uh, take care of the problems before any ransoms were paid or anything at that point. So hats off to the to the men and women involved in protecting us while that was in place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Pat, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I wish we kind of had more time to delve into your military background and some of the moves you made, but we appreciate your time today. Thank you for your service, and uh, thank you for what you do for the state of Louisiana. It's always a pleasure, Mike. Appreciate the opportunity to, to share some of this information with you. You bet. Thank you. Take care. now move to the emergency resource segment for this episode. The demand for high-value environmental data and information has dramatically increased in recent years. 
to improve their ability to meet that demand, NOAA's former three data centers, the National Climatic Data Center, the National Geophysical Data Center, and the National Oceanographic Data Center, which includes the National Costa Data Development Center, have merged into the National Centers for Environmental Information, or NCEI. NCEI is responsible for hosting and providing access to one of the most significant archives on Earth, with comprehensive oceanic, atmospheric, and geophysical data, from the depths of the ocean to the surface of the sun and from million-year-old ice core records to near-real-time satellite images, NCEI is the nation's leading authority for environmental information. For more information, please visit www.ncei.noaa.gov. Moving on to our second interview, Frank Rivette is the Warning Coordination Meteorologist with the National Weather Service, New Orleans, Baton Rouge. Frank, thanks for joining us. Yeah, well, thanks for inviting us. So we have some good news. Hurricane season is winding down. Any unique issues come to mind as we look back on the 2019 season? Well, yeah. Uh, for the most part, Louisiana was spared uh, significant impact from uh, hurricanes during the 2019 season. Uh, of course, we had this uh, tremendous storm, uh, very devastating storm, Dorian, that affected uh, uh, the Atlantic, uh, the Bahamas, and just barely missed Florida uh, before it curved off the Carolinas. So that was a very long-lived, powerful hurricane. Uh, fortunately, it missed uh, most of the United States, unfortunately, affected the Bahamas uh, very adversely. We had a couple of smaller events. We had hurricane, uh, tropical storm, Hurricane Barry that affected us in July. Um, then we had a, a kind of a subtropical, extratropical storm that affected our region, southeast Louisiana, uh, just several weeks ago. But compared to what you know we've experienced in the past with a major hurricane affecting the region, uh, we we didn't um, we didn't have that type of impact uh, in our area. And uh, so that's always a good season when you can get by without uh, that type of major hurricane affecting your area. And as we mentioned, that was the good news, but it w wouldn't be Louisiana if we didn't have some additional weather threats to keep an eye on. What are some of the factors for the late fall and winter months that people need to be prepared for? Well, this time of year, we start getting frontal passages into the region. So we've had a couple of them already. We had a cold front just go through on uh, Thursday and Friday. We expect a uh, very significant uh, outbreak of cold air to move in the United States uh, Monday, get down to Louisiana Tuesday, and we could have uh, freezing temperatures across most of the state uh, middle of the week. So that's something always people to be aware of is this transition. And anytime we get these fronts down here, uh, sometimes we can get severe weather. That was one of the things that kind of surprised me over the past couple of years is I took a look at the information that you guys provide, plus the other uh, National Weather Service offices that cover Louisiana. Uh, there really is kind of an uptick in, in tornado activity uh, in the winter that, that people don't normally associate that with winter weather, uh, but it is it can be a very active period, I guess. Yeah, we can get into these active periods uh, of in the winter of severe weather. Sometimes we get fairly substantial warm, moist air coming off the Gulf, combining with these fronts. So we can occasionally get some severe weather that develop in uh, in the winter months. 
Uh, we've had several here in southeast Louisiana that have happened in fe- February. Uh, just several years ago, we had a pretty significant tornado event in New Orleans East uh, on February 7th, very early uh, in the month, uh, what we would consider winter months. So we can get some of these um, severe weather events to occur in the winter. So that's something, folks, uh, we need to always pay attention to the weather, uh, make sure you're monitoring it. And when we do uh, issue um, outlooks or watches for severe weather, folks to pay attention and uh, follow the appropriate safety rules. That's right. And make sure you know what those those alerts mean. That's also very important. So uh, as we take a look at the winter, uh, I know there's been some early projections that have been in the news. Uh, what can you tell us as far as what you're expecting overall for the winter months? Yeah, overall, you know, the general thought is that uh, most of the United States, uh, including the South here, Gulf South, will be warmer than normal. Um, the probability of it being warmer than normal is is fairly high. Um, and we should be drier than normal. That's the general three-month period, uh, December, January, February. So generally warmer than normal and drier than normal. With that said, I just want to caution people, these outlooks were for a, a long period of time, for three months. We can get short periods of a couple of weeks where we get very cold temperatures, maybe even winter precipitation. But when you average it out over the entire winter, it turns out to be warmer than normal. So just because we're forecasting a warmer than normal winter and a a drier than normal winter doesn't mean that we can't have an event of two weeks where we get very cold temperatures, maybe some winter precipitation, or we could get heavy rain. Um, It's much the same uh, idea that a hurricane season can be quiet below normal, but if you happen to have the hurricane, that's an active year for you. So these outlooks are for a general period of time, but we can get short durations of, of adverse weather. And I know the rivers were a big issue this year in 2019 as far as elevated river levels and everything. Is it too early to determine if, if we could see those types of factors again for 2020? Yeah, that'll, that's probably a little early to get out on a limb uh, to, you know, predict that. They are forecasting above normal precipitation across the northern tier states, uh, which affects the Mississippi River a little bit. Uh, I think something we'll be watching as we get into the winter and spring months is some of that rainfall uh, occurs in the Ohio Valley, Tennessee Valley. That affects the Mississippi River a lot. Now, our local rivers were we're generally forecasting a drier than normal uh, winter down here in Louisiana. So that may be positive for our local rivers uh, that just uh, drain the local area. So we'll see how that develops. But I just uh, going back to that other point, we can get a couple of weeks of heavy rainfall um, that can cause rivers to rise, uh, even though over a three-month average it may be below normal rainfall. We are speaking with Frank Rivette with the National Weather Service, New Orleans, Baton Rouge. Frank, thank you for taking time out with us. We appreciate the information that you guys put out along with our other uh, National Weather Service offices across the state. So we hope you have a, a great holiday season. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye now.
Thank you for joining us for our Get a Game Plan podcast. Please encourage others to share this resource and subscribe. We want to thank Pat Santos and Frank Rivette with the National Weather Service for joining us on this episode. Don't forget to check out the resources we mentioned today. You can find out more information on emergency management and emergency planning at getagameplan.org. We also want to thank producer Choi Perez and Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA, for use of their studio. Sign up to be an organ donor today. Find out more at DonateLifeLA.org. They also have a great podcast titled The Gifted Life Podcast. You can find out more on most of the topics we talked about today by following GOSEP on Facebook and Twitter. Remember, get a game plan. On behalf of the staff at GOSEP, thanks for joining us. We'll have a new episode available next month. podcast is produced in partnership with LOPA and the Gifted Life Podcast. Find out more about organ, eye, and tissue donation by listening to the Gifted Life Podcast at thegiftedlife.org or download it from your favorite podcast app.